Matthew chapter 7 and Romans chapter 12. We're also going to be reading a verse out of Matthew 15. So we'll be there in just a few minutes as well. This morning, um, uh, Bill did a great job in Sunday school talking about anger. And um, it started off with asking the question, what are some things that make you angry? And I think that uh, there's no shortage of th things that can make us angry. But I think one of the things that, that really gets uh, to us is when we're accused of something, um, especially if we're not guilty of what we're being accused of. Uh, what happens, though, when we're accused of something and we are guilty of it? <laughs> how do we feel about that? And what, how do we feel about a society that has a lot of criticism for Christians uh, in general? And I was thinking about that this week, and I was looking, I was reading uh, various lists and things, criticisms that the world has about Christianity and accusations that the world makes about uh, Christians. And it's interesting to see some of the things, and I want to read some of these to you. Uh, one thing was, one criticism of Christianity was that, that churches don't have to pay taxes and that they're not subject to any serious regulation. So that's one criticism uh, of Christianity. But also these, listen to these. Uh, Christians are against more things than they're for. Against more things than they're for. I guess I can kind of understand that from a worldly point of view uh, because a lot of the things that the world sees as okay and not, don't have a problem with, we, we don't agree with because the Word of God says, says it. You know, that's our standard. Um, if the Word of God says something is right, then we're, we're for it. If the Word of God says something is wrong, then we're against it. Would you agree to that? That makes sense? Okay, so that was one criticism. Another one was that some Christians try to act like they don't have any problems and their lives are perfect. Um, is there anybody in here like that that would, that would admit to that? Well, if you're perfect, you should be willing to admit to that, right? Okay, that was another criticism. Another one was that Christianity is a faith of violence and corruption and superstition and bigotry. Um, then these next two were interesting. Uh, there, were, there were quite a few more, but, but I just picked a few. Uh, one criticism of Christianity was that Christians stink at friendship. Christians stink at friendship. And why, why do you think that is? <laughs> I think maybe that, you know, as a friend, if I'm your friend and I'm a Christian and you're not, then I'm probably going to, you know, try to encourage you, if you're doing something wrong, to stop doing that. But a true friend will let you do what you want to do and leave you alone, right? I think that's how, how people want it to be. But the Word of God has different instructions for us. And we are in the world and not of the world. Amen? So we have to remember that. We have to remember that because it's so easy for us to fall right along the wayside with everyone else and everything else 
Uh, we've got to remember what the Word of God says. And then this last one I'll, I'll share with you. I'd like to learn about Christianity, but my, my criticism is that I can't find a Christian that's willing to spend any time with me. And I can see, I can understand that to an extent, but I also know that, that if a person really wants something bad enough, uh, most of the time they're going to find a way to get it. And, and I think sometimes, too, that people will say, well, I want to be good, but I just don't know how, or I just don't think I have it within me to be good. Um, I, I think that's an interesting one there. But let's get to some that are just a little bit more obvious. And, you know, these, the, I want to talk about three things, three accusations that are made towards Christians uh, that really aren't new at all. And I would really call these the big three. These are the big three accusations that people make against us as Christians. And that is, and you could probably guess what these are, but that we are hypocrites, that we are intolerant, and that we are judgmental. Now, has anybody ever heard Christians spoken of in that light before? If you have, raise your hand. Okay, yeah. We're judgmental, we're intolerant, and we are hypocrites. That's, that's the accusations that are made against us a lot of the time. And truth be told, a lot of times we are judgmental. And a lot of times we are intolerant. And a lot of times we are hypocritical. Um, thank God that he still loves us anyway, right? Because we're not perfect. And we're learning as we go. But I want to look at these three. And these three that, you know, we're, we're all probably guilty of one, maybe all three, and, and then some. But I want to take a look at these and then try to answer them a little bit because I feel like sometimes we're, we're accused of these things and we fall into this, well, yeah, they're right. I have done that or I have been that way. And then we just kind of shrink back in fear and, and embarrassment uh, but we need, we need to understand and we need to have a way to answer uh, this. And certainly, again, we're not perfect. And we shouldn't try to, we shouldn't try to put forth uh, an image of perfection. Uh, the only perfect one is Jesus Christ. And he, it, he is living within us. But we are still in a fallen world and we are still making mistakes. And we have to be humble in that. And we have to admit to that. So let's look at these. And let's just see what these really are all about. And the first one I want to look at is the fact that Christians are judgmental. We are judgmental. Now several months ago we did a, a, a sermon on this uh, about judging. And uh, hopefully it brought a lot of things to light. And I'm going to share probably some of the same things this morning. But before I do, I want to say that years ago, the, the most quoted Bible verse used to, What do you think the most quoted Bible verse should be or has been in the past? What do you think? John 3.16. You know, that was the most quoted verse. But it seems nowadays for Christians and really for non-Christians, so it's, it's taken both groups into account, the verse that, that people like to throw out there the most is from Matthew chapter 7, verse number 1, that says, Judge not, 
that ye be not judged. Judge not that ye be not judged. Now when this criticism is made or when this accusation is made, the implication is this. They're implying that all judgments are bad. All judgments are bad. And what they really mean is that in a world of tolerance, you Christians have no right to judge because your Jesus said not to. Right there it was. Right there it is. The only problem is they, they, they don't read any further. Or really, they're not even probably reading it. They're just saying it because they've heard somebody else say it. But if you would continue to read, you'd find some things out. That Jesus doesn't say not to make judgments. What he says is that when you make judgments, you need to make them in light of the Word of God. Make your judgments in light of what God's Word says. Okay? What we have to, we have to be able to determine, is, is this wrong or is this right? And this is wrong because the Word of God says it is. That's His judgment, not mine. It's what He says. So in light of God's Word, this is wrong. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm just sharing with you what the Creator of the universe, the God of Almighty God says is right and, and what is wrong. And who, who was better at making harsh judgments that needed to be made than Jesus Christ, right? And he, he let people know some things when they needed to know them. And he wasn't politically correct when he did so either. He held nothing back. He let people know what was right and what was wrong. Now, in our world, uh, in, our, in, our, in this day and time, one of the biggest areas where we find, uh, where, or where judgmentalism plays a part, is in the area of how people get to heaven. How people get to heaven. Now, there are a lot of non-Christians that do believe in a heaven, but they don't understand because they're not subscribing to what the Bible says. They don't understand how to get there. They're just, you know, crossing their fingers and hoping for the best. But as Christians, you know what we say. Christians say that the only way for a person to get to heaven is to be born again. And the reason that Christians say that is because that's what Jesus said. In John chapter 3, that's what Jesus said. We must, ye must be born again. So it's not something we came up with on our own to make you feel bad. It's just the truth, and it's the Word of God. And so if you don't like that, if you don't like what Christians say, then you can say, well, I think I'm a pretty decent person. And we've all heard this, this conversation. We've all heard these words. I'm a, I'm a good person. Uh, I haven't stolen I haven't killed anybody. I haven't been a cyber bully. I haven't looted and rioted any in the last year. So, and you know, truth be told, I think there are a lot of people uh, worse than I am. So I, I think I'll be able to get to heaven based, based on all that. And that's the conversation that we, that we hear a lot. But there's a problem with that logic because the standard for morality it's not other people. The standard for morality is, is, is who? Jesus. The standard for morality is God. And what is God's standard? Perfection. 
And based on God's standard of perfection, none of us will go to heaven. Which is why he sent his son to die for us and shed his blood. So that we too could go to heaven. So that we too could be found acceptable to God. So his, his standard is perfection. Nobody here's going to make that. We admitted that a few minutes ago. So he provided the, a way for us through Jesus Christ. That's what we understand. That's what we know. So that, but the issue is not how bad we are. It's, the issue is not how bad we are. We're all sinners. We are all sinners. And Scripture tells us that if we, if we disobey one commandment, how many have we really disobeyed? All of them. If, if we've disobeyed one, then if we've broken one, then we've broken all of them. But the bottom line is this. That Christians are not the ones that are being judgmental. We're not the ones that are judging. Because it is our job as Christians not to be judges. But what we're supposed to do is we are supposed to communicate God's judgments that are outlined in his word. That's what we're supposed to do. We communicate what the Word of God says. We're supposed to share the Word of God. We're supposed to communicate the Word of God. But here, here's the thing. We are supposed to do it with humility and love. And that is where I believe that as a church we fail miserably. Not only do we fail miserably in a, on a one-to-one uh, opportunity but we fail on social media we fail uh, at you know in groups of people because there we sometimes I guess we feel this tremendous pressure maybe that's it so the only way for us to, to fight that is just to be hostile and angry when we when we share the truth of God's word when always he has said love me and love one another and that doesn't just get pushed to the side when we're trying to communicate what the Word of God says. We've got to do it in love. We've got to do it in love. And unfortunately, what the attitude is of a lot of Christians is this. Since, you, since we have discovered forgiveness of sin, since we have discovered that we can be forgiven, our sins can be forgiven, then we have this idea that we've got it all together and we can be hateful and we can be smug in the way that we treat people who disagree with us. And I don't think that there's anywhere in the Bible that tells us that we can do that. But boy, we sure have done that, haven't we? It's bothersome. Because here's the, here's the truth. If you and I truly appreciate, if I truly appreciate what God has done for me in Christ, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to be humble when I discuss it with other people, and I'm going to be able to be humble when I live it out in my life because I will be able to remember that before I was saved, I was on the same bus they were on, and I was on my way to the same hell that they're on their way to. So Scripture helps us to know how we're supposed to behave and how we're supposed to act. And we can see in Romans chapter 12, 
If you want to turn to that, you can, but it's going to come up. Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Even when we are sharing Christ, sharing truth, sharing judgments with other people, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So the world accuses us of judgmentalism. I think the answer is not arrogance, but I think the answer is humility. And I think that's what God wants, and I think that's what God expects of us. And I believe that that's something that we can all, and I'm throwing myself in there, something that we can all work on. To see this verse, to see how this is how we're supposed to respond, how we're supposed to be, even in light of all the negativity and all the accusations that can be made against us. Share the truth of the Word of God in love. and Truth in love. Remember that. All right, let's, let's go to the next one. And that is that Christians are intolerant. Christians are intolerant. Tolerance has, has been one of those words that we have heard so much of in the last 10, 20 years. Uh, it's something that's preached. Uh, it's something that's pushed uh, on us, and that is tolerance. And tolerance is, is upheld by a belief that all viewpoints, and especially religion, are equal and valid. All religions are equal and valid. All viewpoints are equal and valid. That's kind of what undergirds the idea of tolerance. So when I, as a Christian, claim that the only way to God, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, then that's viewed as being intolerant by our society. But, you know, we've discussed this in the past, too. Tolerant people are actually very intolerant. People who preach tolerance are really very intolerant, especially towards any viewpoint that possesses a truth that contradicts the tolerant viewpoint. So anything that contradicts a tolerant viewpoint has got, has got to be wrong. And the tolerant viewpoint is that everything is equal and everything is valid. So in other words, some of the, I think some of the most vocal people uh, for tolerance are very intolerant. And we've seen this played out in, in the media. We, we, we see it all over the place. Um, tolerance also likes to promote the idea that you should, you should be able to sincerely practice the religion or the faith that you believe is right. You should be able to sincerely practice that. And on the surface, that sounds really good. But it's true for every, every religion except, it seems, for Christianity. Biblical Christianity. Because what, this is what sincere biblical Christianity is. It is telling people, it is going out and telling the people in the world that God has provided a way out of hell 
and provided a way into heaven through Jesus Christ. And all you've got to do is put your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's practicing sincere biblical Christianity. And if tolerance is being able to practice your, your faith and your religion sincerely, then it should be okay for me to go out and say that to anybody and everybody. Would you agree? Doesn't that seem to make sense? It, it does to me. I should be able to do that. But if I don't do that, if I don't go out and expose people to the truth, if I don't go out and tell people about Jesus, then I'm being disobedient to the very one who told me to do that. I need to be listening to God. You need to be listening to God. We need to be listening to Jesus and not everyone else. You know, even if there's a crowd mentality that I'm wrong, if Jesus says that it's right, then Jesus and I are the majority always. Amen? And it works the same for you. But it doesn't give me the right to be arrogant and hateful about it. In love, I continue to share the truth. And in love, I continue to give them what the Word of God says. Can you imagine, can you imagine our, our culture or our society uh, asking a Buddhist to put aside his convictions for the sake of political correctness? Uh, we know you're a Buddhist and we know what you believe, but we're asking you not to not to say anything or do anything uh, that relates to that because somebody's going to get offended and we don't want anybody to be offended. We don't want anybody to be offended. I'm offending you, but we don't want anybody to be offended. You, you see how we're talking out of both sides of our mouth? We, and we don't, it, it's just so frustrating. Um, so you, you would think that, well, in real life, this is what it is. It's much more consistent to see people ridiculing Christianity and expecting us to conform to what they want us to conform to. Um, and they push so much on us and expect us uh, to just agree with everything. And ex they want us to accept things. That's what really happens. That's what's really going on. They want us to accept what they're giving to us, but they don't want to accept what we're trying to give to them. And we see this all over our culture. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, there was a congressman uh, who also called himself a pastor who ended an opening prayer of the 117th Congress with these words. And you probably heard this. Uh, he said, we ask it in the name of the monotheistic God Brahma, Allah, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman. Now, you'd have to be living under a rock <laughs> to not have heard some reference to this, or you keep your uh, TV and your social media off. And if you're able to do that, kudos to you. But I tell you, you this was all over the, the media a couple of weeks ago. And it's, it's troubling. It, it's very troubling. Now, Let's talk about this for just a minute. This Brahma that he mentions at the end of this prayer, it is the Hindu creator of the universe and all of its beings. So my first question is, how can a person who calls himself a Christian pastor 
direct his prayer to a Hindu god. I don't understand that. That's, that's so confusing and conflicting to me and, and again bothersome. And the Hindu faith recognizes millions of gods. We recognize how many? One. So as a Christian trying to practice biblical Christianity, trying to practice my faith in a tolerant society should always be willing to end my prayer to the one God, to Almighty God, and make no excuses for that. So we pray for this man who is sending a conflicting message out. And then let's look at the word amen. You know, amen is a Hebrew word, and it means so it is or let it be. So it is, let it be. And it's, it's a declaration that we make after, we, after praise and after prayer. So when we pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ, when we pray to an almighty God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, it has nothing to do with gender. So to insert a woman at the end to be politically correct is biblically incorrect. Would you agree with that? Okay, now this, this man said that he did what he did to acknowledge and lift up the women that were there. Well, I can think of many other ways to do it rather than the way he did it. And even in his prayer, thank you, God, for the women present today who are taking a stand and trying to make decisions that are right. And Father, I pray that they would use you as their standard and your word as their standard. And I would encourage them and I want to lift them up today. Thank you for them. If I were a woman, I would appreciate that so much more than what was done instead. So we are, we are asked to accept these things and be okay with these things and be tolerant of these things and those who those who profess to be tolerant those who say that they are tolerant are really hoping to convert everybody that disagrees with them that's if truth be told and that's pretty hypocritical if you think about it and we're going to talk about hypocrisy here in just a minute what they're saying basically is, I disagree with you. I disagree with you. And I'm, I'm going to con try to convince you to agree with me. And that's hardly being tolerant. That's the farthest thing from tolerance. Now listen to this. True tolerance means that you must not only allow me to practice my faith. This is true tolerance. If you want true tolerance, you must you must not only allow me to practice my faith, but you should be encouraging me in it because it is where I find fulfillment and where I find meaning in my life. So encourage me to practice my faith. Encourage me in it. That's being tolerant if you want to be tolerant. Now, we as, as Christians, we make, we make no pretense of tolerance we never say we're tolerant of everything 
that's not something that you and I as Christians should say. It's not something that you and I as Christians are going to say. We're not tolerant of everything. We can respect people of other faiths. We can do that because that has that that is kind of a, a, a branch off from loving one another. I can respect people of other faiths, but I don't have to agree with them. And I shouldn't because their faith is different than mine. And there's only one Bible and one God and one truth. And if you if you vary from that, if you go away from that, then it's a dangerous place. And that's what other faiths have done. And this is going to be a very offensive message to a lot of a lot of people if they hear it. But this it's the truth. It's the bottom line. We are not a tolerant people. We can respect one another. And we can love one another, but I do not have to agree with everything that you say and everything that you put on the table for me to eat. I don't have to agree with that. So to tolerate something means to put up with something that you don't like. And in this society, we are not asked to just put up with something. We are asked to accept it and to celebrate it. Now, I could talk about several different issues where 50 years ago, for the most part, our society, we were in agreement on. But now we are being asked not only to accept things that we, because of the judgments of God's word, say are wrong, we are being told not to just accept it, but we're being expected to celebrate it. And we will not do that. Amen? We're going to love people. Amen? But we don't have to accept or be tolerant of everything. Amen? Amen. All right, so we just use the standard of God's Word, and we're going to be okay. Because he'll take, care of, he'll take care of his own. And one day, one day, we know every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. And that's not going to be a day where we can go, Told you so, told you so, ha, 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 ha. That's not the kind of attitude we have. This is the attitude we have. I pray that people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, maybe through God working through me, so that they will make a decision to accept Christ and that they will see the lies for what they are and the truth for what it is. So so let's finish up this morning with the third one and probably the most uh, I don't know, the most, the one that we're accused of the most is what I'm trying to say. And, and that is hypocrisy. And it's a, it's a very real problem. Uh, it's in, in, in some, pla- in some, well, I think in every church there's, there's, can be a problem of hypocrisy. People saying that they love the Lord, but live in the exact opposite way, saying that they love Jesus but not really having a love for other people and, and saying one thing but doing another. And this is not a good thing. This is not a good thing, certainly. But what I would ask society is this. What is your basis? What is your basis or your anger for, for, for hypocrisy? Why are you angry about the supposed hypocrisy of Christians? Why are you upset? And, you know, what would the answer be to that? They're, they say they're angry about us being hypocritical, 
but they do not hold up the values that they say are so important that the hypocrite seems to be offending. They don't hold true to the values that they say I should be keeping that I'm not keeping. So, so how do they have any right to say anything? Their, their anger is empty. Their anger is hollow because it doesn't affect values that they hold deeply. You see that? You get that? So who's being the hypocrite really here? It, it can be turned right back around to the accuser. It's not being honest. And the ones truly that should be offended, the ones that should be offended by hypocrisy in this world are those who really love Jesus and those who are really trying to live for him because it makes a mockery of all the love and all the grace that Jesus Christ has made available to us when we as Christians are hypocritical. Um, there was a book written in the early 90s. It's called The Call to Conversion. It was written by a guy named Jim Wallace. And he said that he was unsuccessfully evangelized by every Christian organization at college. And what that means is that every Christian organization that could tried to witness to him and tried to, to get him to see his need for Christ, and none of them could do that. And this is what he said. He said, how can I believe when I look at the way that the church lives? How can I believe in Jesus when I see the way that you're living? And the answer that he got most of the time was, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Don't look at me, look at Jesus. And he said that that's really the saddest statement that has ever been made in the history of the church. Because here's the deal. People should be able to look at us. People should be able to look at the church. People should be able to look at you and me, and they should be able to understand by looking what the gospel is all about. And that puts things into great perspective for me. It shows me that maybe I've, maybe I've been doing some things wrong. Maybe I've been doing things with the wrong heart. Uh, maybe I've had good intentions, but God's got a better way for me to do what I'm trying to do here. And that what I want is to do it in a way that people can see Jesus. You know, take me out of the equation altogether. I don't want people to see me. I want people to see Jesus. I want people to see Christ. Now, Jesus, let's take a look at Jesus for just a minute before we close. Jesus was a very loving individual. Um, I don't think any of us would doubt that. Look at the cross. Look at how he dealt with people, uh, especially the the tax collectors and the lepers and the prostitutes. Do we always have good things to say about the IRS? Um, if we were driving through town and, and we saw some ladies walking up and down the street and we knew what they were there for, what would our, what would our thoughts be about those ladies? You know, he sought them out and he loved them and showed them love, Okay. He was loving, but he never, ever compromised. He never compromised. And I think that's where we mess up a lot of times in our efforts. But this is Jesus' attitude towards hypocrisy. 
when he would talk to the, the religious leaders of his time who were being hypocritical, he called them a brood of snakes, a, a brood of vipers. He said that they were blind guides. Who wants a blind guide? Who wants somebody who can't see to take them somewhere where they need to go? That's, that's what he's saying. And, who, and, and we all know, we all get the snake reference. But I think one that really puts it into perspective is the one that he used in Matthew 23, 27, when he said, you're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. And that's how he saw hypocrisy. So if I am preaching and teaching love, but I'm not loving, then that makes me a hypocrite. And he is not happy with that. He also said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, this helps us understand what's going on here. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So God hates hypocrisy. It sounds like he hates hypocrisy even more than we do. But what are we to do? Because just about everybody has been a hypocrite once at one time or another. So what's the, what's the remedy for hypocrisy? Certainly more religion, more religion. We need to get more religion. But that's not the answer. And the answer is the relationship. And as Christians, we already have this relationship. But we've got to continue to develop this relationship. And it's with Jesus Christ. And that's what will help us. When we come and we worship and we talk about the goodness of God and how he, is, he, he, he died on the cross to pay for our sins and we understand the great gift that's been given to us and we begin to understand how much he loves us and he's called us to love one another with that same kind of love and then we begin to talk to, to God about it. God, I feel like I'm not loving like I should. And I feel like I don't have the, the, the love that I should have towards this group of people or that group of people. Show me, God. Help me, God. Help, cause your Holy Spirit to, to help me to see what I need to do. That You're spending time in a relationship. And when you spend time in a relationship with somebody and you spend a lot of time with that person, you begin to be like the person that you're associating yourself with and that is our goal and that is our desire and that's God's desire that we become more like Jesus more like Jesus so it's not more religion I got to read my Bible more I got to go to church more I got to give more money I got to go I got to do more stuff he just wants us to be with him he wants us to talk with him he wants us to look to him and see what he has to say and it's a problem it is a problem Hypocrisy is a problem. And you know, truth be told, a lot of times that, that name has been used in an, accurate, in an accurate way against us. But you know what? It's fixable. It's fixable. And the one who wants to help us with that as Christians is already here with us. And he's got everything necessary to help us to be able to to love one another and to and to communicate the truth of the word of God with other people in an effective and loving way it can be done and i'm telling you that it is going to be more effective if i come to a person in love 
and sit down and spend time with them and tell them what the Word of God says than for me to stand face-to-face with somebody with my veins popping out of my neck and my face as red as it can be and shouting to them that they are going to go to hell if they don't turn around and go in the different direction. They need to see the love of Christ. What is it that drew you to Jesus? What is it that caused you to want to know Him? Was it not the great love that He has for you? The great love that it must have taken to lay His life down for you and for me. When He could have continued living <laughs> and, and, and experiencing life here on this earth. Not, and you're not to mention going through all the humiliation for you and, and the beatings and the crown of thorns and the nails and the hands and the feet and the spear and the side and the mockery and all of that. I would be done in five seconds. I would probably tell you, I love you, I'll die for you. And the minute I saw that, that cat, of, cat of nine tails whip, I don't love you that much. But he, he went all the way for you. He went all the way for me. And he did it with love. He did it with love. And he was angry. And he did get angry. And he had a righteous anger. And he had a right to do what he did. But his whole ministry, even that, he did that because he loved those people. And he wanted them to know what God's house was for. And he wanted those people to see that there was a better way. And this world needs to see that there's a better way than the way we're doing things right now. It is the biggest mess it's ever been. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that statement. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. But God is, God's got everything under control. And nothing is a surprise to him. And he has put you here. And he has put me here for such a time as this. We are here for a reason. We are here to share the good news of Jesus in love. So are we willing to do that? Are we willing to do that?